Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 14 of The Body as a Compass. And today is a very, very special episode because we have a guest. (laughs) (laughs) My dear friend, Tess. I feel like we've known each other for about, what, like four or five years now? Yeah, I mean, I... I think it has been five years, which is crazy because I feel like we just graduated college, but I know that would, that adds up. It's so, it's so crazy. And then I feel like we officially connected at the yoga studio at OM. Yeah, for sure. Yes. And then now here we are adulting, living our lives, but yes, yes, (laughs) LA to New York. Here we are. So today we're going to discuss all things body image, but not just, you know, like the typical stuff. We're going to get juicy. We're going to get a little deep because Tess has a variety of experiences um, with all things body. I'll let you... Give an introduction. <laughs> Wait, I'm just, I'm like, I'm letting you roll with it because I'm like, I like how you're talking about me. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> you know, from being a yoga teacher to um, a lot of experience with the fashion industry, I feel like you just have such a great perspective on it. But I will let you give uh, a nice little introduction if you want. And we can go from there. Yeah, sure. Um, Like Tyler said, my name is Tess. I am a journalist, a yoga instructor when I have the time, which lately has not been too often. And I live in Brooklyn, New York. And lately I have been spending my time working for Netflix a little bit on their social media teams, promoting Latino content across their platforms. And in addition to that, I, I know, right? It's so fun. Um, I have been freelance writing for a bunch of magazines and online publications um, about topics relating to fashion, social justice, and the intersections of those two things, which are multitudinous. <laughs> so I'm sure, Tyler, you agree. Yes. And that's, that's where my passion for these kinds of discussions definitely stemmed from. Yes. Like, I just feel like you... You, in general, have such a calming spirit. So when I see your TikToks about these topics, it's just from such a powerful place of neutrality. Um, But it's still, like, so informative, so important, like, shedding light on things that a lot of people don't know. Because I feel like you're, um, you have so many experiences with niches within the fashion industry, too. So thank you. Thank you for bringing that perspective. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yes, yes. So (laughs) first thing I wanted to, (laughs) this is so funny, but so incredible that it's happening. First thing I wanted to get into is basically your experiences with the fashion industry. Because if I remember correctly, you started out really young, like like in high school. Yep. Okay, yes. (laughs) And I would love for you to dive into um, how you've seen the industry change um, as it relates to body shapes or not changed because I'm sure so many things are 
still not happening mm-hmm. over the course of your career and your experiences, you know, like watching trends in the fashion industry and um, how it relates to you. So, oh, yeah, absolutely. I, it's interesting. Um, like you said, I started interning in fashion in high school. I would work retail jobs to pay for flights to work on paid internships yes. in New York over the summer, which, of course, makes all the sense in the world. Um, it's <laughs> not. Wouldn't necessarily recommend it, but I don't regret it. I was definitely in a position of privilege to be able to do that. But that said, I started interning at New York Fashion Week when I was 17, and I have been going ever since. And I'm 24 now, so it's been quite a while. and. I went from working backstage at shows for various designers to covering them journalistically for websites like Teen Vogue, Bustle, Refinery29. And I've definitely noticed sort of a paradoxical shift between what's going on in the world around me and what I've internalized. In high school, I was very skinny. I didn't think so. I definitely suffered from some body dysmorphia, but I Mm-hmm. for all intents and purposes, fit that image of the skinny to average, whatever that means, sized white girl, uh, mm-hmm. short, but doesn't really, no one really pays attention to that in the real world. Um, and so I would see efforts that were very minimal at Fashion Week toward size inclusivity, body inclusivity, body, even body neutrality, not necessarily positivity all the time, but just allowing larger bodies to exist on the same plane as smaller ones. Um, Mm -hmm. And I would think every little effort I saw was amazing and enough because it wasn't something that I had a personal connection to as much as I liked to think I empathized with people who were struggling with that kind of representation. I just truly couldn't know what it feels like to genuinely not see yourself I thought you know in certain ways I didn't see myself I didn't see a lot of like white women discussing being Latina which is something that I've learned to find and is everywhere within the Latino community but as a white Latina that's not something I was entrenched in I've I found that over time but you know I saw people that looked like me at the end of the day and now it's 2022 and I mean the leaps and bounds that have been made as much as there is just infinite work left to do I cannot overstate the difference that I've seen not only with the amount of body diversity on runways at Fashion Week specifically but with what media outlets choose to cover I remember street style photos from Fashion Week you know, taking pictures of all of the quote-unquote influential people outside shows and their outfits, they used to be all the same people with the same body types. And now there are, I know InStyle Magazine has a really great ongoing photo album online of all plus-size bodies outside fashion week shows and only plus-size bodies. And I mean, there's definitely gray area there, but Mm -hmm. it's like nice to see that not only are different types of bodies with different physical abilities too you know there are people who don't have a certain limb or are in wheelchairs Aaron Phillip is a great example of someone who has been infiltrating the runway scene and uh, Jillian Mercado is another great one Afro-Latina who is in a wheelchair 
those those people are i mean i wouldn't call them household names at this point but if you tell someone who's lightly touched the surface of the fashion industry like if you show them a picture of them they probably have an idea like oh that one girl in the wheelchair like oh yeah i know who that is like that mm-hmm. if you told me that in high school i mean i wouldn't have ever thought about it because it's not my experience but it's definitely really impressive in terms of body image in terms of racial diversity that's an entirely different discussion but they definitely intertwine um mm-hmm. age diversity as well i've noticed a lot more of though there's a ways to go with that but at the same time like i said i've noticed a paradox here internally for me as i've watched this increasing acceptance of bigger bodies happen in the outside world i have struggled with accepting my own body as it's gotten bigger over time mm-hmm. especially over the course of this pandemic that I, I won't say it ended i i've really tried to watch my language with that because we're still here it's still here. yeah um but i have gained i mean i don't know the amount of weight i've gained but i do look different yes and it's, the changes are for sure minute people who have known me for years might not notice them maybe they'll notice that i gained weight since high school but i mean who hasn't really Mm, right seriously I I feel like every single day I see a different version of myself and I don't necessarily look like the person that I for whatever reason put up on a pedestal in my head is like the optimal version of myself however many years ago that person who went to fashion week in high school and thought oh my god like look there is some body representation there's enough for me as a skinny white woman that's plenty like you know I would always push for more but it was not my cause I just truly couldn't feel the frustration of walking into a store. And I mean, I struggled to try things on. I definitely had a unique body shape. I was very bottom heavy, especially at the time. Things were not made for girls with big butts. Oh, Um, yeah. but Definitely relate to that. Right. But now it's like I will go to a store and they won't necessarily have. And I'm I'm not even technically plus size. I'm like anywhere from an an eight to a 14 truly depending because sizing is so arbitrary yeah but there are times when i'll walk into a store and i won't find anything just because Um, of the way things fit and i'm like that you know you don't really truly fully grasp that struggle you can sympathize you can stand as an ally or whatever you want to say as much as you want but to have that happen to you as someone who's super deeply passionate about fashion feels almost like a betrayal Mm mm-hmm even as I watch the industry make all of these changes, it's like really fascinating to watch all of these positive things go down and simultaneously be experiencing these archetypical, have been around for ages, negative things for yes. the very first time in my life. It, it really feels like I'm awakening to the worst parts, the underbelly of it all, just as it's starting to genuinely get better and it's changed my perspective a lot on what that means that was a mouthful no (laughs) Um, i'll take a break for a sec no thank you so much for sharing all of that like that just provided so much clarity and context and i feel like um it's so important to like sit with paradoxes in general you know that's something i feel like i struggle with so the fact that you know, you're able to recognize like, yeah, like there's so many amazing things happening with representation and um, the even like people with disabilities and all of that. 
But then when it comes down to your personal experience, you're like, oh, wait, but like, I'm still like not fully being seen. And when I go into a, a, I keep, I keep wanting to say restaurant, clothing store. <laughs> I feel seen at restaurants. Trust. Yes, right. I feel very seen. I feel very seen at restaurants. That's, that's my safe place. Safe place. <laughs> but, but yeah, when you go in clothing stores and I'm just wondering, like, this makes me think about how, and you may not have an answer to this exactly, but how some brands kind of do performative activism. Oh, I've got and, an answer. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't even know the to... question, but there's an answer here. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Um, just in the sense of like, you know, we've seen it with like, um, starting with the George Floyd protest mm-hmm. when it comes to issues of race, but in terms of issues with body where like, you know, for example, if a brand is doing like an inclusive fashion show, but it's just, you know, all runway items, but then like on their website, you can't actually find things that or enough things. Yeah. I I would love to get into that in your. Oh, I, yeah, I I definitely have thoughts. I, actually interviewed a designer her name is Hillary Tamor she's a creative director for a brand called Kalina Strada which I would say is still still fairly indie but very much like one of the highlights of New York fashion week these days mm-hmm. it's a brand that she doesn't like to call it sustainable because she doesn't believe that anything that's created is sustainable and I'm like that's very real but she's as close as I would say a, a brand of her scale would get gotcha and- yeah, she's a, it's a fairly new brand in the grand scheme. You know, it's not like Michael Kors or anybody. But when we spoke about the conflict between what we view as sustainable and the creation of a young new brand and what we view as inclusive in terms of Ooh. body image, a, a lot of friction came up because it's it's something to wrestle with in terms of can I justify making this many garments and this many sizes if I don't know if even a third of them are going to sell for one? Mm, mm-hmm. But at the same time, if I'm going to put out any clothes, why would I not put them out in the greatest extent of sizes that I'm financially capable of making? That too. And, and that is something that I, I don't think a lot of people realize as, as much as I would love to think that a small indie brand, you know, and any brand, if a brand's going to launch, they better be able to size up to a 4x like I mean more ideally but like I love to think that and as much as that is what I believe on one level the paradox is some brands will not have enough money to do that until they actually launch and are able to get notoriety to Mm. that point like Mm -hmm. to be able to gather enough funding and resources before a launch in order to do that is very very like unless you're Rihanna right um, unless you're a startup that's able to come into some major venture capital it's it's really tough because you have to hire fit models of different shapes and sizes if you want the fit of the clothing to actually work on people of different sizes because that's another thing like the you know in a perfect world or in a, in a world where clothes actually fit people the way that they should beyond a size large there needs to be a different fit model who works behind the scenes with the designer trying on prototypes yeah to be a different model for different types of sizes you know like beyond a certain size 
things are just going to fall in different places. Regardless of the plus size, however we use that term, larger person's body type, there are just certain things you can count on being inevitable. You know, like even with me, like the friction between the thighs, like you have to allow for a certain amount of material. The proportions just aren't going to be the same on every body. And as specific as one can get within their means financially, that's everything to creating clothes people will actually want to buy in those sizes because the one thing that I would say almost as bad or equal maybe equally bad but almost as bad I think is a better term as not creating clothes in a wide size range is creating clothes that look horrible fit horribly in that larger size range yes it's really just like here's a crumb and I would rather a brand I mean from a personal perspective I can't speak for people who live in bodies larger than mine or smaller than mine but I would rather a brand take the time to learn what it means to create clothing for larger body sizes and shapes Mm -hmm. than you know just come in here and be like oh we took this stencil we had for a size zero and yeah multiplied it by 14 for a size 14 or however that math works like it just it isn't that simple I wish it was and also it requires more fabric sometimes. It requires certain material blends to be different. If you notice, a great example of this is Savage X Fenty. And it was mm-hmm. something that a lot of people had beef with when it first launched. When you look at different sizes of certain items, they, they look different. Oh, I it's didn't like, even know that. Yeah, it was, it was definitely like a very breezy spoken about thing because it was just from the initial launch that that happened. And eventually, more or less the same offerings are there for every size. But the central differences are things like the width of a strap yeah uh, the width of a bra's like band around the rib cage and as much as there are definitely larger bodied people out there who want to wear the super thin straps and the super thin rib cage i can understand how from a brand's perspective they want to cater they want to cater to what they know from their research and like you know analytics that savage and rihanna undoubtedly have they've been doing a lot of research on this like they want to cater to what they know a large demographic of people wants and that's to feel like the clothes actually fit their body shape and are not a like larger scaled version of a skinny person's yeah exactly and that's that's definitely i think that ideally both options should exist like a you know, of course, a person in a larger body should be able to have access to the exact same things as a person with a smaller body. But I think having the additions of things that will just genuinely make people of other, of generally, of any specific body type feel more comfortable, like having those in addition to the baseline of everyone being included in the same, you know, same size ranges, yes. the same styles. I think having it as a as a plus is a really good way to go. And those more supported bras on Savage are definitely a great example. I know Parade released um, all of their bras go up to a size 3X, all of their underwear does as well. But in addition to that, in their bras, they have a an extended cup sizing section where Ooh. you can either buy a plain 3X bra, for example, or you can choose to buy a 3X bra for a triple D. And that bra is going to have a wire shoulder strap and a wider rib cage band 
Okay, yes. Just Which like is really interesting. You can buy that in a size extra extra small as well with the double D. And that is a really, I think, innovative example that's hard to explain to people verbally because, you know, that's a confusing concept to have, like, option one, choose your size. Option two, do you have massive boobs? Yeah. Like, you know, but if you have massive boobs, you add a little extra. Or if you have massive boobs and you want more support, you know, you can have massive boobs and just wear the regular extra small. Just wear the regular extra large. But if you want to feel like your boobs aren't going to fall out of it, they recommend getting the corresponding extended cup size. And right. that to me is a really, really cool example of, I'd never seen it done like that before. And I paid a lot of attention. They actually, they had Sydney Sweeney as one of the models for that campaign, which I thought was a, a great example. As much as we've always praised P-shaped girls, um, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> AirPod-shaped girls have never not been in style. I'm sick of that. They always have. No shade to them. They didn't do anything wrong. Which is um, true. Which is bad. It's just true. Um, I think it's just a really good example of how, you know, you might think you know what somebody wants. She's super skinny. Mm-hmm. She would want the bra that all the skinny girls wear, but maybe she wants more support because she has much larger boobs than a lot of brands would anticipate a girl of her size to have. Yeah. So I think it goes both ways in, in some some respects that is so you pro- you just provide so much nuance and oh, like <laughs> I try. i'm like that's what i went to college for i hope yeah <laughs> no, right this degree better pay off in some way so Please. yeah uh but uh that is so eye-opening because you know I never even considered you know the other side where it's like you know like on the one hand you know it's well intentioned to exclusively design for larger bodies but on the other hand you know it's it's really just the feeling of choice and like yes exactly and everyone deserves to have choice yes that's a massive I don't want to go on too much of a tangent because I, I want you to have your next thought but I want to say this before no, I go for it to people who identify as plus size and who don't necessarily fit in quote unquote straight size clothes the way that I will sometimes have pointed out to me a lot that, you know, there are definitely retailers that exclusively create clothes for larger bodies. Like third love, for example, I think is the name of one Eloquy, 11 honore. These mm-hmm. are brands that sometimes will even collaborate with high end designers on exclusive collections that are size, for example, two X and up making that number up, but things like that. And some of these, not all of them, some are amazing for sure, but some of these, it's like the lack of choice is astounding, you know? They're they're trying to fill a void, and it could be as well-intentioned as anything, but all of the jeans look the same. What, and, and why can none of the jeans look like the jeans you'd buy in another store? Like, why are they so yeah. deeply identifiable as this is a plus-size style? Like, is it for a functional purpose? Like, you want to prevent chafing between the thighs or is it just because we have such a deep seated idea of what a plus size person is allowed to wear? Ooh. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and like, where do we draw that line between? Exactly. I think it's a matter of choice. Like you're saying, if someone wants to wear pants that are going to tear apart after a few wears, let them yeah. make them and- in their size because they will buy them. It's objectively a better business decision. Yeah, but exactly. it's give them the option to wear pants as well that are made to fit a larger body, even if that's not the style they prefer to have the option might be nice. Yes. And that requires a lot of money for sure. But there are brands out there who can do it. So 
Right. Do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Get to it. I know there's plenty of brands I feel like can definitely afford. And that does I'm like, and I'll name them. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> For real. Like, I feel like it just goes back to our idea of what, you know, plus sized or like you said, whatever that means, but larger right. bodies are able to wear in society's eyes and like you know what people are quote-unquote comfortable seeing them in and it's just like to hell with that like they deserve everybody deserves choice right so um once again once again amazing things you're saying um I also want to get into in the age of you know body positivity and um finally body neutralities I feel like getting a lot more traction and a lot more popularity which I personally feel more um called to yeah um but I would just love to hear your thoughts in general um about that and like how it relates to you and anything else you'd like to share oh yeah I love this because I think for a while body neutrality as a concept didn't make sense to me just yeah. like I knew I knew what it meant but I was like what is the purpose when positivity is an option mm-hmm. but I think that when that was my way of thinking about it I was still thinking about both of those terms as hypotheticals and once you start to actively try to implement something like body positivity in your life every single day which is you know you wake up you tell yourself that you love yourself whatever you know like I love absolutely everything about me. Yeah. <laughs> can you do that with yourself mentally? Like, can you do that with your own personality? I don't think any human being has the capacity to do that 100% of the time. And it's, it's, it's a paradox again, because you're holding yourself to just a different kind of unattainable standard, you know, losing yes. weight and looking a certain way is one unattainable standard, but convincing yourself that you love absolutely everything about yourself physically mentally however it may be that's unattainable in its own right for 99 I I would say everybody yeah you know what I mean like that implies that you have no mood and are not affected by anything that happens around you are not affected by physical feelings in your body that might make you think of it negatively it implies that you've never had an illness that makes you upset with your body it implies that you've never had a health condition that you know what I mean? And, and yeah. these are just things that happen to people's bodies. And you don't have to pretend you love having COVID, for example. It's I think mm-hmm. it's a similar way that there are people who live and die by everything happens for a reason. And right. That type of I won't call it blind, that type of universally like explainable, like, oh, this is all must be a good thing that type of universally positive thinking works for some people it's a coping skill but the reality is that it's just it's just not true yeah and you shouldn't have to rack your brain to to feel good about something that you don't feel good about yes 100% of the time and you know it's, it's definitely a slippery slope because I believe in changing the way that we think about things you know like changing the way that we view a body part if we've been conditioned to view it negatively but there is no inherent harm to that body part looking that way like that I believe in deeply 
But mm-hmm. at the same time, I, I, I think of it in terms of things like if your body, you can simultaneously love your body and be angry at it or be unhappy with it. And I think to deny yourself the right to feel those things is to deny just a really inherent part of being human and you know, you can work toward being more positive every single day, but what body neutrality presented to me was like a third option. Yes. Between being negative and being positive. And I think that, you know, like I said, with body positivity, it does just present another super hard to attain standard in its own way. And it, you know, it's, it presents something to be aspired to, and it puts priority on the body. Mm-hmm. It inherently gives a ton of value to the way your body looks. You know, just because it's positive doesn't mean that that's not without its, you know, yeah. questionable judgment of, of placing that much stake in the way you view your body. I feel like neutrality is, is just such a paradigm shift. To tell yourself, like, to truly grasp the concept that your body does not have to cross your mind every waking second of every waking day. You know, I mean, obviously physical sensations will and things like that. But you don't have to be thinking about your body in one way or another in order to enjoy your life and to view yourself and to love yourself. And I think that that, I don't know, I, I think that. Body neutrality is tough. I like to think of it just because in my head, I feel like I'm so used to thinking of my views of myself in in binary terms of good or bad, that Mm -hmm. something that helps me to truly understand what body neutrality means is to rephrase it mentally as body acceptance. Ooh, yes. Because to me, for some reason, neutral in my head just doesn't mix. I'm like, nothing in life is neutral, there's good and bad. Like, do they, I, I feel like for some reason my brain is too too wired to, to think oh, yeah. in terms of positive and negative. And acceptance isn't necessarily positive, but it's not negative. And I feel like for some reason, that concept of being able to say to yourself, like, this is my body. I have every right to be in it. Yes. Like, that is neutrality. And to say there is nothing inherently wrong with my body. I may not like what's going on with it right now, but there's nothing inherently wrong with it, you know? And even if where things like illness and disease and just physical disabilities, things like that come in, I'm lucky that I don't have to deal with much of that. But it's sort of one of those things where it's it's what you'll have for life, your body. And yeah, to be able to accept that is massive. And I don't think anyone fully accepts that. I think we're all looking to change something about ourselves, just like we're looking to change something about the rest of our lives. But mm-hmm. working toward acknowledging, like, this is the only vessel through which I can experience this moment right now. Like, working to be in the present generally, I think, helps us to accept our bodies more readily because we're meeting ourselves where we are and so much of the negativity that we force upon ourselves, even the positivity that we sometimes force upon ourselves has to do with the future. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I'm so proud of my body because it's going to do this Peloton ride today. 
which I mean, that was me <laughs> today. Yeah. But like, you know, I, I don't think there's any reason to demonize people who who have those thoughts. Like, oh my gosh, I love my body. Look how cute and curvy I am. Right. That's great. I love my plus size body. I fucking love that. Like, that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think to not force yourself to have any particular feeling is the goal of body neutrality and body acceptance. I think when a feeling is something you're trying to force on yourself at any given moment, you're not giving yourself the room to grow. And if you don't truly believe something, why lie to yourself? Yes. You know, you can re- you can work toward getting to the point of believing it. You can repeat it to yourself, but to not admit to yourself what you're actually feeling is is hindering your ability to improve and also it's it's making you lose sight of the fact that all we have is right now Mm -hmm. and you can want to work toward liking your body more loving your body more in the future and that's great you you can think to yourself oh i can't wait till maybe a year from now i'll finally be able to accept my body but do you know what i mean yeah like what how much can that do for you I, i i look back at myself pictures of myself in high school and i didn't love my body and I'm like oh my god you know there was a part of me that's like I wish I looked like that Mm -hmm. and you know that's a paradox again because I know that that wouldn't solve any of my problems because I still wasn't satisfied with my body when I looked the way that I now see and I'm like wow and I I do not want to be in a place where five years from now I look at pictures of myself in 2022 and think wow she hated herself she hated how she looked and it's just a shame that she wasn't yeah. at least trying to take advantage of what life could give her in the present and let the rest kind of follow. It's a shame that she was constantly looking forward to the moment that I'm in right now and thinking, oh, well, I can't wait till I can finally appreciate my body because we just we can't wait to to live. And that's just it's not fair. It's a form of self-punishment. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm getting I'm getting emotional because that was. Just... I, I know I'm like I'm angry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's okay. It's so, all emotions are welcome here. This is a safe space, and like, it's just so, so like beyond you know what we see because, like like what you were saying like yeah this idea of like yeah like. No, I love my body. I, lo- I love, you know, X, X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. But it's just like you're still operating in the paradigm of like, you know, how I view my body is. Yes, it's like feminism that operates within the male gaze. Exactly. Exactly. And there's nothing, perfect... there's nothing inherently wrong. Like, yeah, break the system from the inside, whatever you want to say and do. But at the same time, it's like it, it, it's up to what your goal is in the end. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. For people living like that and if it works for them but I definitely feel like just like there's just so much um I don't want to say maturity but that's the word that's coming to me I just there, there's so much like maybe freedom's the better word and there's so much freedom in just like letting things come and go and like you said like it subtracts so much from the present moment and I really love um, what you were saying about how you were just looking at pictures at yourself in high school. Cause I, I did this, I've been doing the same thing where like, I'll look at pictures of myself in high school and in high school, I thought I was, I was so miserable with my body. And like you yep. said, like, I'm, even if I did look like that, I wasn't happy in high school. So what makes me think I would be happy now? Right. 
it so, really proves to you that it's not about how you look. And so to put that much stake in it is potentially yeah. volatile. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I feel like this idea of body positivity only um, yes. has contributed for me, um, it's directly tied to spiritually bypassing. And I feel like this is a great segue to mm. our final topic about, you know, yoga and any, you know, practices that we do um, with our bodies. But I feel like it's similar energy where um, like what you were just saying about like, you know, people who say everything happens for a reason, like, you know, like it's fine that you know, like the all these horrible things are happening, and it's like, no, that's literally right. And if that's not... what will get you to sleep at night, by all means, think that way. I'm not stopping you. I know, um, I know. If it works, it works right. for you. But to try to force yourself to think that way, if it's not your natural way of thinking, is not helpful. Exactly, exactly. Like. I, I found for me personally, and I feel like the theme of this episode of is pretty much just like paradoxes and like two things can be true at the same time, because there are like some spiritual euphemisms that I um, truly do believe on a soul level. And it just like makes sense to me, but it also, I believe they're true at the same time of so much shit needs to change and like Mm. so many things um there's there's always you know going to be something there's always going to be things in this lifetime at least that collectively we as human beings just need to do better at and I feel like when you bring that down to the personal level too of just like you know like our bodies are incredible, like objectively incredible, fantastic. Like I feel like just what they do every single day is just so, so, you know, just beyond. Truly the things we don't think about, I think are the most incredible. Yes. The things really, that it does even, automatically. Yeah. yeah. And that means that's different from everybody. You know, some people's bodies can't do the things that mine do automatically and my body can't do certain things that other people's can automatically, but everybody is, is breathing to some degree. Yes. And I can't, I don't know if everybody blinks, but everybody I think is blinking to some, you know what I mean? There are certain things. Everybody has at least something that their body does innately. Exactly. To be alive. Exactly. The will to live. Exactly. And just, um, it's so it's so powerful to think about. I actually took like this environmental class, environmental ethics Ooh. at Michigan. Yeah. And it was just we were on this um, this topic of like, you know, like how do you differentiate, you know, like killing a plant versus killing an animal and, you know, things that and like, of course, there's like sensations and things like that. And there was this one philosopher that said, well, it just depends on if the living being has a will to live. And Mm. I mean, I feel like, you know, you could technically argue that plants have a will to live because. Right. Right. But like, I, I, he was getting more at like, you know, the idea of like 
things that it, it's just very easy to, you know, just rip up a plant, which is so sad, but it's well, so right. true. There are parts of your body that are working tirelessly to make sure that you live. And even if you don't have that emotional drive, exactly. There, there are, even if you are actively dying, yep. even if a person is actively dying, there is a part of their body that is working desperately to keep them alive because dying wouldn't be a process if that weren't the case. It would just be exactly exactly you get you get what i'm saying yeah um so yeah a hundred percent that's that's what i'm getting at and i feel like it's just so it's just so incredible that and that's i feel like you know what true body positivity is for me if i'm looking at it that way it's like wow like this this is what our bodies are doing and just the intelligence the innate intelligence is just yeah so so incredible um but yeah and then on the flip side too it's just like accepting that like yeah our bodies are incredible i love i love how there are so many mechanisms that are happening to keep me alive at the same time you know there are days where i wake up and i'm like oh like i just don't even want to look in the mirror and it's like true true freedom is letting both of those things happen at the same time Right, and just like taking it, learning how to live with go. that in ways that make you feel like the best version of yourself. Whether that means convincing yourself that you love something and learning to love it over time, or yeah, not. exactly, exactly. And I feel like for our final little segment, uh, we probably I feel like we touched on a lot of things that relate to what we're about to get into but as mentioned previously Tess is a yoga instructor and um, we both met at a yoga studio and I just feel like the practice of yoga has taught me personally so much about what my body can and cannot do on any given day I remember I went to one of the classes yeah you were you were teaching a class and I remember you were saying like, you know, some days I can't get into this posture. And that was just such like a light bulb moment for me because we're conditioned to view, especially in the world of fitness. Oh my now, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, like I, I was able to do this last week, last week. Like, am I getting, where bigger? is it? It's like when people speak about any form of physical activity, like a sport where it's like, oh, I got that skill, like gymnastics, for example, like, oh my God, yeah. you can get your front tuck. And like in yoga, people speak about it the same way. And I'm like, isn't yeah. that the point of this practice to accept where we are right now? And that might mean something, you know, you can quote unquote, get a certain pose one day and not have it for a year and then get it back again. And there's nothing wrong with any of it. Yes. Yes. This evolving to more of like a circular view of yeah. how your body evolves. And, it and just... knowing that there's no body that you have, except for the one that you're in right now, the one in the past doesn't exist anymore. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Like, like we were saying before, all these mechanisms that are keeping us alive, you know, there's also so many cycles happening that, you know, we, we have no control over. And right. it's just like the nature of the game. And I just think just in general, it's been so healing. Even just the idea of yoga, yoga classes being called a practice and not a performance. Right. And it's just like so so you know um what's the word it's just so 
against the grain of what we're taught and just in general and it applies yeah. to you know typical capitalistic systems of like you have to meet this and this kpi and we're growing this much and it's like you know this linear view of everything i don't even know so. what a kpi i don't even <laughs> <laughs> i was like i don't want to tell her but oh that's my my consulting days creeping in it's, it just means like key performance indicators oh, oh, okay, so, okay. so irrelevant anyway um, yeah <laughs> but yeah we're just like you know how are we how are we doing how can we grow 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 where it's like sometimes growing means taking steps back and like retreating back into things that you know you never that you thought you were past and that goes for emotional emotional growth too and all of that so say all that to say um do you have any daily rituals that help you feel at home within your body do you do do you do yoga every day is, is that I don't I will admit that and okay. I think that I would be a really bad yoga teacher to lie to you about that I'm I love the transparency I I don't I think that I try to be conscious of my breath at the very least when I wake up and I think I mean we talked about this before Tyler on many occasions that's the core of yoga it's not about anybody can do yoga it's not about a pose it's about connecting your breath to your movement or your lack thereof and it really is a great mechanism for finding that space where you don't necessarily have to feel one way or the other about your body it's about feeling your body as it is and just feeling things that you know for certain are happening I am breathing my eyelids are on top of my eyes I feel my tongue in my mouth like I just giving yourself the space to have these thoughts and any thoughts that might come up in the process come up you're not trying actively to force them away and force yourself to think no I'm not mad at myself I love my body like the angry thought will come in but it will leave as long as you continue to focus on the things that you know are directly around you and are going on within your body at that that given moment yes okay that's making me think of Amanda. Amanda is a yoga Amanda. teacher. I miss her so much. Me too. I love, she is a yoga teacher at the studio Tess and I would go to. And she also, this was another light bulb moment in one of her classes where she was just saying like, it's like what you were just saying. It's not about the pose. It's not about, you know, what you're doing. It's It's like a philosophy and like just a way of life and I feel like you know so many modern yoga studios have definitely and that's a whole different conversation about oh my goodness yeah (laughs) yeah I mean even acknowledging the fact right here that I'm a white woman talking about this yeah I was able to afford to do yoga teacher training which is hella expensive at any given United States yoga studio like these are things that to be able to to learn these things there are so many class barriers, race oh my barriers, God. immense. And the fact that I felt comfortable enough with my body in that moment to enter a space like a yoga studio, mm-hmm. like these are all things that allowed me, you know, I wasn't thinking about any of them, but allowed me to gain this insight that everybody deserves to have. Yes. Yes. That should be accessible for everybody. And that's the and, point. Yep. A hundred percent. 
the whole point, the whole roots of yoga is it's for everybody. And the fact that it's just like, it's more about like, like, I feel like in the traditional sense, it's mainly geared towards operating that way. Like how you feel in a yoga class is like how you should, you know, live every single moment. Right. And the point to, is to take it with you. Yes, exactly. And not just like, you know, go to this $30 studio and $30 a class studio, you know, and just leave it all there on the mat. But it's like, no, it's, it's a whole life. It's like people who go to church and then do the exact opposite of what they pray for or, yep. you know, exactly. It's like, why'd you go? Yeah. hundred percent. That's your like, prerogative, but still. Yeah. Like it's, and it's just like, it's so interesting to me how so many, so many things, you know, have just been twisted and all that good stuff, but, or all that bad stuff, I should say. <laughs> but <laughs> the point is, I think you're leaving us with such a good note of like, it's about awareness. Like you said, like, can I feel my tongue on the roof of my mouth? Can I feel my feet today? Because in the digital age and just in general, where a lot of people are disassociating, disconnected from their bodies, like, and beating themselves up for like, you know, not getting to their workout or whatever. I've been doing that lately. And it's just like, oh, today really? I sat in my bed all day because I wasn't feeling well. I, and I got mad yeah. at myself and I had to stop myself and be like, I'll let myself be angry. I'm not going to pretend I'm not. But let's why? Why am I yeah. angry? Like, I'm going to let myself feel this and be done because what there is no real nothing to gain. Exactly. Exactly. Where it's like, I am still capable of doing things like, you know, like just even just the act of like looking at my hands or something or putting your feet on the ground. Yes. That's just... a massive one for me during the work day. Oh, I have to. I've been forcing myself. My therapist always brings it up during our sessions on Zoom. She'll be like, where are your feet right now? And I'll be like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> They're like bunched up into my chest right now. <laughs> and just, just knowing your feet are on the ground is a huge doing any little thing that is brings awareness to your body just changing the way that you're situated yes is incredibly helpful even if you don't feel like it's helpful it's helping you like that's the point it's it's actually like so so impactful and i honestly think like that is the core root behind why people love fitness so much or just like things that make you aware of your body because you know you're forced to feel your body when you're working you're forced to feel the endorphins that inevitably will show up even if you're scared about what you're doing yes self-conscious you know and those things can overpower the good feelings too but sometimes they don't and that's how people really like it and different people will get that feeling from you know exercises and always i think i forget too it's not always carving an hour out of your nine to five day to Mm -hmm. do a workout sometimes it's just going for a dang walk like that counts just because it's not what we deem right necessarily doesn't mean that you're not getting the benefits and gaining the bodily awareness that you really need to I mean fully experience any given moment yes yes 
Exactly. All right. What a great episode. I've had like, so much fun. I know. This was way better than I ever thought. And my expectations were already high. So that's just saying a lot. I thought you were going to be like, I, I had no idea what was going to happen here. So I mean, anything <laughs> would have been good. So this is perfect. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. I already knew you were going to come with the gems. And it just was, it was perfect. So um, is there anything else you would like to shout out or plug or? Um, I mean, I'm like, I guess people can follow me on social media. I don't really know. I'm at hi, this is Tess. Like, hi, this is Tess. (laughs) Um, Yes. not really everything i wanted to plug was a part of this episode (laughs) okay perfect yeah i don't know why i said anything else like you actually you didn't i didn't even like say plug something before whatever don't you worry i I see it (laughs) no you're fine you get what i'm you get what i'm saying so (laughs) um okay perfect yes at hi this is tess on twitter and instagram right yep she has great tweets oh thanks i'm like (laughs) That's another. That's a whole other discussion. <laughs> How much time I spend there? Oh yeah, my Twitter. I I need to stop going on Twitter. It's a problem. I'm like, yeah, no, totally different, different talk, but another very big one. Yes. <laughs> no, seriously. But thank you so much for being our first guest. Thank you for having me and sparking such important and great discussions and being one of the two podcasts I listen to. <laughs> Just such an honor. You know, it's so funny because I actually don't even listen to that many podcasts either as a podcast host. So. I mean, like <laughs> journalists don't read. Period. <laughs> they just don't read sometimes. <laughs> I was going to follow that up with like books or something, but I was like, sometimes just don't. Like at all. <laughs> no. I know. Honestly. Oh. Okay. Well, I'm going to hit my sound bowl um let me think do i have any announcements i don't think i do i've just been like free-flowing episodes in general so um the next episode will probably be within two weeks i want to say i took a little mini break but within two weeks we'll probably get another thing going but i have my sound bowl here so i end every episode by hitting the sound bowl so I'm going to do that, and then we will be free. But thank you all for listening. Um, go follow Tess on Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for making it through if you did. Yes, right. Thank you for making it through. And enjoy the rest of your day or evening or whenever you're listening to this. Bye.